Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Keontae Chavis, a 19-year-old young woman who went missing in August 2014. Two days later, Keontae's body was discovered in a field right outside the town she lived in. Keontae's murder devastated her close-knit family, but the identity of the person who killed Keontae would change Keontae's family forever. This is Keontae's story. Keontae Chavis was born on October 31st, 1994, and she spent the early years of her life in Newburgh, New York, where she grew up with her mother, Nikisha Grissom, and her father, Anthony Chavis, who everyone calls Tone. Keontae grew up surrounded by love and a family that adored her. Tone and Nikisha had Keontae when they were young. Keontae was their first child, but the young couple embraced parenthood, Nikisha lived with her grandmother, and she helped take care of Keontae while Tone worked and Nikisha went to school. But Tone and Nikisha's relationship, like a lot of young couples, eventually ended. And after their breakup, Nikisha decided to go to college. And so she applied to some schools, and she was eventually accepted to a school in Atlanta. Nikisha knew that attending school in a different state with a young child would be challenging, and so she made the difficult decision to leave Keontae in Newburgh with her grandmother. Mary, Nikisha's grandmother, had been a huge part of Keontae's life from the day that she was born, so Nikisha knew that Keontae was in good hands. But the city of Newburgh had always been a tough place to live. But in the recent months, crime had become more prevalent, and it was no longer a safe place to raise a child. So Mary made the decision that it would be better for her and Keontae to move back to her hometown in Alabama. Now, for Tone, it was a difficult decision, but he knew that ultimately it was the best thing for Keontae. So when Keontae was 12 years old, her grandmother Mary took her to Phoenix City, Alabama. 
Now, Keontae's story was recently featured on an episode of ID Channel's American Monster. And in that episode, Keontae is said to have thrived while she was in Alabama. You know, she came from a big family and she spent time with her cousins and just enjoying the calm country life. When Keontae finished elementary school, she went on to attend the local high school where she played basketball. Her father, Tone, said that she wanted to eventually go to college to play basketball, too. But at the end of her first season, Keontae injured her knee. And the injury forced Keontae to stop playing basketball. And Keontae took it hard. She had loved basketball her whole life and had dreamed of one day playing basketball in college. And now that dream was over. Her mom, Nikisha, said that Keontae lost confidence after her injury. But Keontae was a resilient girl, and she eventually moved on from her basketball dreams. She had a lot of ambition, so Keontae put all of her energy into being a good student and getting good grades. In 2012, Keontae graduated from high school and made the decision to join the Air Force. Keontae wanted a stable career, and she felt like going to the military would help her to secure that stability. Keontae began the process of joining the Air Force, and she passed the first written test with flying colors. And Keontae is super excited because, you know, she's one step closer to pursuing her dreams. During this time, Keontae had also met a guy who she started dating, and his name was Trey. And she really liked him. And according to her family, he was a really nice guy and he was nice to Keontae. By 2014, everything is going well for Keontae. She's preparing to go to the Air Force soon and her relationship with Trey is going well. Keontae, at just 19 years old, is very happy and excited about her future. On August 6, 2014, Nikisha, Keontae's mom, receives a call from Keontae. And Keontae tells her mom that she has a job interview at the local Sam's Club the next morning, August the 7th. And Nikisha said that, you know, Keontae was really excited and looking forward to this interview. And Nikisha said that she told Keontae, you know, good luck on your interview and told her that she would call her tomorrow. But that would be the last conversation that Nikisha would have with her daughter. On August 7th, the day after Nikisha spoke to her daughter, Keontae, Nikisha recalls during that episode of American Monster that when she woke up the next morning, she called her grandmother's home where Keontae lived to check on her. But Keontae wasn't home. Now, Nikisha found it strange that Keontae wasn't home, especially at that time of morning. So Nikisha calls Keontae's cell phone, but her phone is going straight to voicemail. Now, Nikisha is immediately worried about Keontae. You know, for her to not be home at that time of morning and, you know, her phone going straight to voicemail, which is a very bad combination for Keontae's mom. So Nikisha is in full mama bear mode at this point, and she decides to call the Sam's Club where Keontae was scheduled to have the interview. You know, maybe Keontae went to the interview early and that's why she isn't home. I mean, no, that's, you know, that's why she isn't answering the phone. That's why she isn't home. Um, but when Nikisha calls the store manager, 
He tells her that Keontae did have an interview that morning, but that she failed to show up. So when Nikisha hears that Keontae did not show up for the interview, she knows that something is very, very wrong. As the hours go by, Keontae's mom is becoming increasingly more worried about her daughter. Nikisha was still living in Atlanta at this time, so all she could do was call around to try to find out if anyone had spoke to Keontae. When Nikisha speaks to her grandmother, Mary, she told Nikisha that she did speak to Keontae the night before. She said that Keontae had called her because she was having car trouble. Mary said that Keontae's cousin Christian had just come into town and was already out. So Mary asked Christian to pick Keontae up. Now, according to Christian, he picked up Keontae and dropped her off at her boyfriend's house. And neither him or Mary had spoken to Keontae since. Keontae's family knew that this behavior was unlike her. And they don't want to waste any more time. So they decide that they need to go to police to file a missing persons report. But when Keontae's family goes to police, it's been less than 24 hours since she was last seen. So police will not take the report. There are no immediate signs of foul play. And so police are not concerned about Keontae missing. But Keontae's family is not phased by the lack of concern from police. They know that something happened to Keontae. It didn't matter that it had been less than 24 hours. There was no way that Keontae would be gone this long with no contact to her family. And her phone is still going straight to voicemail. So Keontae's family decide that they need to start searching for Keontae. Tone, Keontae's dad, and her mom both came to Alabama within hours of Keontae going missing. You know, they came to help search for their daughter. The family printed out missing person flyers and they canvassed the area asking anybody who would stop if they had seen Keontae, but there were no answers. Now, after searching for Keontae for almost two days, Mary, Keontae's grandmother, goes back to the police to speak to them about the night that Keontae was last seen. Mary tells police the story about Keontae's car breaking down and how Christian, who the family affectionately called Lil' Chris, picked Keontae up from where her car had broken down and that they went to her boyfriend's house to hang out for a little while. Then Christian told Mary that at some point, he and Keontae left her boyfriend's house to go to get something to eat and to go to a local liquor store. Chris said that uh, he made the purchase and then he dropped Keontae back off to her boyfriend's house around 1.30 a.m. and then came back to his grandmother's house. Mary said that when she woke up the next morning and went into Keontae's room that she wasn't there and that when she asked Christian where she was, he said that she wasn't there. He then told Mary that he dropped Keontae off at her boyfriend's house. So Mary told police that she called Keontae's boyfriend to see if, you know, maybe Keontae was just at her boyfriend's house. But Trey tells Mary that Keontae left with Christian but never came back to his home. He told Mary that they left around 8 or 9 p.m. 
Now, Mary's story gives police a timeline of Keontae's movements, as well as the last people to see her. But police have yet to launch an investigation into Keontae's disappearance. But at least now, you know, they have more information about Keontae's last movements. Later that same day, however, there would be no need for a missing person report. A body was found on the side of the road in the next town over from where Keontae lived. When the detectives who were familiar with Keontae and her family arrived on the scene, they knew it was Keontae. Police processed the crime scene and then called Keontae's family down to the police station to tell them the devastating news. Keontae Chavis was dead, and someone had killed her. But who and why was now the ultimate question. The discovery of Keontae's body prompts police to launch a homicide investigation, and the police start with those closest to Keontae, her family. Now, the police interview pretty much everyone in Keontae's family that lives in that area. But her cousin Christian, the one who was with Keontae that night, had actually left and went back to Florida where he lived. So police were not able to immediately speak to him. But they were able to interview Keontae's uncle. And in that episode of American Monster, they showed the actual police interview. And in that interview, the uncle confirms what Keontae's grandmother had told police earlier that day about Keontae's last known whereabouts. The police also speak to a cousin of Keontae and Christian's who said that he spoke to Christian after he left in an attempt to, you know, get more information about what happened to Keontae that night. Now, according to the interview replayed during that episode, the cousin told police that Christian told him that they went to Keontae's boyfriend's house, but then left around 9.30 p.m. to go get something to eat from Burger King. He then said that after getting something to eat, they headed to a local liquor store. Now, this is a small town, so there are only two liquor stores. And so the police ask the cousin, you know, which of the two liquor stores they went to. And he tells them, you know, which liquor store that they went to according to Christian's story. Now, when police learn about the liquor store, you know, they go to the liquor store to pull surveillance footage to see if they can confirm the story that Christian had told his cousin. And when police get the footage, it confirms that Christian was at the liquor store. But they also confirm that Keontae was with him, like he said. And in the footage, nothing appears to be wrong with either of them. You know, Christian makes his purchase, and then they both leave. You know, so now, so far, the story that Christian has told his family is panning out. And according to him he dropped Keontae back off to her boyfriend's house. So now Keontae's boyfriend, you know, had told Keontae's grandmother that Keontae never came back to his house after she left around eight or nine. But was he telling the truth? I mean, either way, police knew that they needed to speak to Trey. So police go and to speak with Keontae's boyfriend, Trey, and that's when they discover that he actually lives with his cousin, Garrett. And so police bring them both in for questioning. Now, Trey tells police that on August 6th, the day that Keontae was last seen, that he came home from work and that Keontae and Christian were sitting on his porch. 
Now, Trey stayed at the house for a little while, but he said that he had to go back to work. And Garrett confirms Trey's story. He tells police that Keontae and Christian were at the home and that Trey left them there and went back to work. Garrett said that they were all hanging out and that Keontae and Christian decided to go grab something to eat and go to the liquor store. But they said that they would be right back. But Garrett said they never came back. Now, the story that Trey and Garrett tell police seems to pretty much align with what Christian has told his family about that night. Everything except the part about Keontae being dropped back off at Trey's house. But police don't think the two cousins had anything to do with Keontae's death. Trey was being cooperative and his alibi checked out. Garrett was on house arrest at the time, and so his movements were being tracked by GPS, and they confirmed that he never left that home that night. So with Trey and Garrett pretty much eliminated as suspects, and after speaking to Keontae's family members, police do have some answers about where Keontae was that night, but there's a huge missing piece. And the only person that can really find those pieces is Christian. And he's also the only person that police have not spoken to. But where is Christian? According to everyone in their family, Christian and Keontae were close. They had been since they were kids. When Keontae had, you know, decided to come out of her shell a few years before and start rapping, Christian, who also liked to rap, had kind of inspired her to do it. You know, they were they were really close. They were friends. They hung out. But now that she's gone and, you know, found dead, Christian was nowhere to be found. Police start to focus their attention on Christian. And since they couldn't find him, they decided to pull his phone records to see if they could get any information about what happened that night or his movements that night. And when police get Christian's cell phone records, they are able to track his movements the night Keontae was last seen. And what his movements reveal is that he lied about what happened that night. Christian's cell phone pinged in the exact area where Keontae's body was found. Now, Keontae was found pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And there was no way that it was just a coincidence that Christian's cell phone pinged in the exact same area where Keontae's body was found. Now, once police learned that the information, you know, the information about Christian's phone, they knew that he was the person who murdered Keontae. And so police issue a warrant for Christian's arrest. But at this time, police still have no idea where Christian is. And it seems like no one else does either. On August 11th, police in a town called Platkill, New York, received a call about a domestic disturbance happening at a residence in town. And when police arrive, they find Christian, who had allegedly been the cause of the disturbance. Platkill police arrest Christian, and when they find out that he's a wanted man, 
they contact the police in Alabama. On August 14th, Christian, after waiving extradition, was brought to Alabama to face potential charges in the murder of his cousin, Keontae. But once Christian is in police custody, they start to learn more about who Christian really was. Christian had only come to Alabama because he was fleeing a domestic violence warrant in Florida. And his plan was to stay in Alabama for a little while and then flee to New York. Apparently, Christian allegedly had a long history of violence in his past. Christian lawyered up right after being taken into custody, so he was not speaking to police. But the detectives were sure that Christian was their murderer. But their case against him at this point was circumstantial, so they needed more evidence to directly connect Christian to the murder. So even though Christian wasn't speaking to police, the police had Christian's car. It was impounded when they had arrested him. So the detectives got a warrant to search the vehicle. You know, they were hoping for even the smallest forensic evidence that could help them find, you know, anything to link Christian to Keontae's murder. So when the forensic searches Chris's car, they are able to give police more than they need. They find a pretty large blood smear on the roof of the car next to the light. And when they test the blood for DNA, it was a match to Keontae. Christian Grissom, already in jail, was charged with the murder of his cousin, Keontae Chavis. The loss of Keontae was unbearable for her family. Keontae was loved so much, they couldn't imagine why anyone would want to hurt Keontae. So to find out it was a member of their family, someone Keontae loved and trusted, just added to the trauma of the loss. Three years after Christian was arrested for the murder of his cousin Keontae Chavis, he stood trial for her murder. Throughout the trial, Christian maintained his innocence, and he insisted that he had nothing to do with Keontae's death. But the jury did not believe him or his defense attorneys. And after 30 minutes of deliberating, the jury found him guilty. Christian Grissom was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and he is currently in Alabama state prison. You know, despite a guilty verdict, the evidence presented never really could give a why. Why did this happen? Why did Christian Grissom kill his own cousin? When Keontae was found, her pants were unbuttoned, but there was no sign of sexual assault. So was Christian attempting to sexually assault Keontae and she fought back and he killed her? Did he just fly into a rage and just kill her? Unfortunately, with Christian refusing to speak and still denying his involvement, we may never actually know why he killed her. The story of what happened to Keontae is so disturbing. There were no signs. You know, how could Keontae have known by getting picked up that day by her cousin that her life was in danger? 
Christian wasn't some estranged family member. He was close to Keontae. They had grown up together. They had spent time together. Her murder was senseless. Christian ripped his own family apart. And for what? I'm not really sure, you know, what lessons you can learn from this story because there's nothing that anyone could do to prevent a monster from being born into their family. I mean, I guess if there is any lesson, it's just that women are unsafe in so many situations, even ones that they aren't even aware of. And that's just sad and scary. The memory of Keontae Shavish should not be rooted in the tragedy of her death. She deserved more than that. She was a young woman whose life was stolen from her. A young woman who deserved to live. May Keontae Shavish continue to rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show grow so we can continue to tell these stories. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.